0: Hello and welcome to the Snippets of Genius podcast. I'm your hostess, Caroline K, business and success coach. And today, I have the pleasure of being joined by Jennifer Tiriani. She is going to, well, shock and delight us. She's maybe even going to change the way you think. She's maybe going to upset you, annoy you. Have I intrigued you enough? She's now looking very scared. I can't wait to dive in. <laughs> Jennifer, tell us a little bit about the unlearning lady, the lady with the pink hair. Tell us how you became and are this wonderful person who's shaking the learning world.
1: What an introduction. I love that. I think you get the prize for my favorite introduction so far. So thank you. (laughs) Oh, where to start? Well, let's ask. I mean, let's ask the audience. I'm quite sure that your listeners will have had some kind of corporate learning in their life, in particular, some sort of leadership training, maybe some culture stuff. And I bet nothing's changed. I bet you went to a workshop, it was half a day, it was maybe some kind of soft skills, soft skills are my least favourite two words in the world, and you were told that maybe you need to communicate in a certain way, you were given a model that seemed maybe kind of true, you did the dreaded role play and you left and nothing happened. And I know that's the case because that was my job for 15 years, 15 years (laughs) of selling snake oil, thinking I was making transformation in organizations because that's what I had been told was the way to do it. And about four years ago, I kind of brought together my own personal journey of deprogramming myself and this experience of working in the corporate world and said, what if we applied all that to the way that we teach leaders, the way that we create cultures? it's quite a that. different conversation.
0: Tell me more about deprogramming. I'm going to pick on that word because that's mm. such a brilliant word. How do you deprogram what someone's learned?
1: So unlearning or deprogramming, traditionally, as I said, in the corporate world, we, we teach people a set of skills or competencies or a model or something, and that doesn't change behavior. So deprogramming or unlearning. The way that I tend to describe it goes something like this. There was a wise man and mystic in the 13th century called Rumi, and he said, your task is not to seek for love, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you've built against it. So if we took the word love out of that sentence and replaced it with anything that we're trying to achieve as a leader. So, you know, your task is not to seek to listen. Your task is not to seek to give feedback. Your task is not to seek to inspire or motivate or be inclusive, but merely to seek and find all the barriers within yourself that you've built against it. That's far closer to what I think that unlearning or deprogramming is. It's seeking out the barriers, the belief systems the attachments, the ways in which old behaviours serve us, recognise how attached to them we actually are, and then choose something else from that place. Because most of us are acting from subconscious programming all the time. And that's why the corporate world is just basically quite weird.
0: <laughs> What's your view of the corporate world now?
1: Um I think it's an exciting time, actually. Uh, I think somebody asked me recently, do do I think that the the success that I've had has come from, has COVID impacted it? And I was like, yeah, you know, I think it has. I think we are in a really unique time where kind of our behavioural muscle memory, the way we always operated in the corporate world, like all the bets have been off. the last couple of years we've seen the inside of people's homes their children their dogs their pajamas we've talked about fear of death and disease and losing loved ones and loneliness and isolation and things that we've never spoken about before so I think the corporate world right now we've got a unique opportunity the behavioral muscle memory has already been interrupted we can choose something else and so I'm probably less disillusioned and more excited by it than I've ever been. It certainly feels a lot easier to be working in this space, I'd say, at the moment.
0: I think that's a great segue into filling in the blank for me. What is unlearning? Seeking and finding the barriers
1: that you've built in your life. You know, you, you are born as a lovely, you know, children are lovely, really. We can look to children to be an inspiration of how right. we all ought to a, be. A, a <laughs> <lovely>. <laughs> well, Okay. I'm an aunt rather than a mother, so that's maybe where that <laughs> viewpoint comes from. But you know, they're they're innocent, they're willing to try and fail, they don't worry about looking silly, they're creative, they don't have biases. Could we say that about the corporate world? No, we really couldn't. But if we can but they what they do is children pick up all these stories over a lifetime and that's how we become these weirdos that we are. So unlearning is returning more to our true essence to being willing to try and fail, not worried about how we look connected, compassionate, creative. That's, that's what unlearning is.
0: And is that how the pink hair came about?
1: Pink hair was literally an opportunity to be controversial. I was teaching something on biases, although I don't particularly get involved in diversity and inclusion. I don't think that's my space. There's other people who are far better equipped to speak about that than me. I do do a lot of stuff on the more subtle biases. So I coloured my hair as a kind of a challenge to say, look, you've got to know me over all these months with with sort of blonde hair color. Now, you know, would this would would you have felt the same about me had you met me with pink hair? Be honest. And actually, I just really liked it, <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I kept it. And then it suddenly became the thing that I was known for, and and
0: your personal brand just took off. In yeah. The
1: day. yeah, and as I said, like, I've been joining calls all week with blonde hair, and people have been saying, "Oh,
0: where's your hair?" <laughs> <laughs> so it looks like I'm gonna to have to put it back he's gonna to have to come back can't wait mm. to see it and to tell us what is the thing that motivates you in your work and why
1: I'm trying to think of a way to say this without sounding cheesy but it's kind of the belief that things can be different and I suppose to some extent maybe it's like you know this like a south star you know if we say the north star is the way that we're heading that's the way the thing we want to be it's like the beacon of what we want to be I suppose for me it's the south star of all the stuff that I don't want the world to be. You know, I have worked in corporates my whole life. I've worked with some really prestigious organisations that were rotten, that were places where people couldn't be themselves, where they had to win at any costs, where polite dishonesty was currency, as was office gossip. That's my South Star. I do not want people to have to go to work and experience that. And I think it's that, it's the knowing that things can be different and it's not actually that hard to change that really gets me going.
0: Great. I love a South Star. Everyone has to get those on their (laughs) values mission (laughs) promise boards. Get your North Star and your South Star. Here's what we are not. (laughs) And what's your number one frustration at the moment that's happening in corporates that's still ongoing that you're coming in to resolve?
1: Mm, There's another little metaphor that I quite like, the avocado effect. So this is what I call corporate decision making. So if anybody's ever bought an avocado with the intention of making a salad in the week and you you go and give it a little squeeze and it's not ripe enough and you, you put it away and you go back the next day and you go and give it another little squeeze and it's still not ripe and then suddenly before you know it the next day you go and it's it's way past its best it's mush and you have to like smash it all up and pretend it was always meant to be guacamole that is kind of the way that I see corporate decision making, it's like, Oh, we can't do it yet because of this. And we, we can't do that because of that. And we're waiting mm-hmm. for this to align for this. And then suddenly it's go, go, go now, now, now. And that doesn't seem to be changing very quickly. <laughs> so that's the avocado effect.
0: <laughs> Is there an antidote to the avocado effect? I think it's to do with being more
1: open to risk and more open to not have not knowing all the answers. One of the, the biggest attachments that I see in corporate life and attachments, as I've mentioned, are one of the things that I try and smash through, is we need to know everything. We have to know all the answers. We have to mitigate all the risks. Now, fine, if the risk is a legal one or it's an ethical one, absolutely. But more, most often it's to do with looking good or getting it right or just not being willing to try and fail to go back to this thing about children so if people were just a bit more willing to go do you know what let's go for it then there'd be a bit less guacamole in my life
0: <laughs> yeah I think there's a really nice adage about being the smartest person in the lift and you know we yeah. need to get past that 100%. yeah yeah and absolutely I'd love to know what are your Do you know top things for helping people smash through the barriers? What kind of advice can you give our listeners Mm. to help them unlock their opportunities?
1: Yeah, I think if this kind of like the process that I use really would be quite a good way to talk to this. So the first thing is noticing practice, which by any other word would be mindfulness, but I try and avoid the word mindfulness because it comes very loaded with ideas about kind of wind chimes and tie-dye and that's absolutely not what it is you know to be mindful is to be present aware and deliberate Mm -hmm. so if we think organizationally to be present aware and deliberate would be a really good thing which actually most of the time we're not we behave you know either from subconscious patterns and just do what we've always done and also from uh, what I've been calling recently fear and veneer so like just the worry of our safety and looking good, security, safety, status. So the first thing to do is to be able to get really present, aware and deliberate. So I use mindfulness or noticing practice for that. So, you know, this isn't something where you listen to tinkly music and Harry Styles reads your bedtime story. That's lovely. That's <laughs> relaxation. It's no good to you for this practice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the first thing is to get really mindful, really aware, know what you do, notice what you do as you do it, because there's a very good chance that you that you don't that you get on with your day and you don't actually notice what you do the second one is to work out what are the stories that sit behind that so I must always be seen to be this I must never appear to be that I assume that if I did x then y what is what are the silly stories that you tell yourself about who you are and aren't allowed to be And then where does that come from? Where did it start? And the chances are it was in the playground, in your family, in the classroom, in early jobs, in early relationships. You do something and either you get rewarded for it and it feels great and you get included or rewarded in some other way. You might be literally financially rewarded or um, given some kind of prize or popularity or you get punished, left out, excluded and so, whether it's said in a very explicit way to you, you know, we do this in this family or we don't do that in this community, or whether we pick it up just by, note, you know, seeing what other people do around us, who was punished, who was prized, who was included, who was excluded. It's basically I work out what, what those stories are, where do those stories come from, and then decide does this serve me? What, do, what can I choose instead? And then you can you can actually make a decision on who you want to be from this place of being present, aware, deliberate, rather than slightly reactive, driven by fear and veneer. That's the kind of the process in essence and something you could kind of take away and do something with quite quickly without needing to know. Every step, I think.
0: Yeah, I want every listener to tell us what they've noticed <laughs> this week and <laughs> followed those principles, and what's helped them unlock something big. And I'd love to know what are the things that you've unlocked for your clients. What is the the big achievements that they've had through the mentoring and coaching of yourself mm. and, and doing some of that unlearning work?
1: Mm, I think my favorite thing that anyone ever said to me, and it's a client that actually comes from my hometown, and I bumped into in the pub at Christmas a couple of years ago, and his friends, childhood friends, and cousins said, "Oh, how do you know Jen?" And we looked at each other and I was about to give, you know, the elevator pitch and he went, Jen taught me to be a human again. And I was like, wow. And that's it. It's coming back to this kind of human approach to things. And but the, the stories that I hear and over and over again are I behave truly from my values rather than what people think. Or I behave truly from my values rather than the fear that I'll lose my job. Or people say, I've let go of all the stories and I just feel more confident, I'm more relaxed. I'm more connected, I'm more able to be vulnerable. Things like vulnerable and authentic leadership are such buzzwords, but no one really knows how to do it.
0: We get closer to that with unlearning, I think. Ah, that's terrific. I think a lot of us could just apply our values in everyday life. Suddenly that sense of fulfillment that we're longing just comes flooding in. And it's such a powerful thing. But if you're just, as you say, reacting all the time to situations rather than taking that second to think about how you want to be and the person you want to become, How are you going to achieve that future self that you want to Mm. step into and change the narrative? Oh, it's exciting. I love it. Okay, tell me a bit more about, you know, really how you sort of measure success in your world with your clients. What does that look like?
1: Oh, this is this is always an interesting conversation because one of the attachments we have in the corporate world is the God of up and to the right. And by that, I mean the, the line on the graph. And so what we want is something that we can say we've got this percentage better engagement or the graph goes up and to the right. And we worship it in this way that is not really allowing for a full story. So there's a few different kind of ways that we do that. One is um, some anthropologists I've been working with recently have introduced me to this concept of thick data and thin data. So thin data being the stuff you can put on the graph that goes up and to the right and thick data being a juicier, messier story you know there's the stuff that you can't necessarily measure but you know is absolutely true and we say is this a good place to work is that person a good leader you can't always put that on a graph but you do know whether it's true or not so there's there's kind of that piece the other thing that's really interesting in measuring this stuff is that if we measure at the beginning maybe once or twice in the middle and then at the end of one of our journeys often the data goes down in the middle Mm -hmm. so we expect that we would start and we would have this fairly steady up and to the right but actually what often happens is that there's a period of time where it goes down before it goes up yeah and have it being able to hold your nerve through that as an organization is really important because there are reasons it happens the first is that people get more honest we know we tend to uh, answer a survey three or four out of five because it's a nice safe place to be and it, it means that there's not usually any comeback to speak of. When people start getting really honest, things drop down. The other thing is that people become truly aware. Most of the time, we ignore our own needs, our own emotional needs, our own physical needs, our own relational needs. And then again, when we start doing the work, we realise, oh, shit, things are worse than I thought. And so, again, <laughs> the data can go down. And again, it also, if, we, if we're deprogramming, unlearning, dismantling inevitably we're going to upset the status quo and it causes a period of discomfort quite often in the first or second session of a program people will say I'm not doing this anymore what's all this because it's so uncomfortable and then eventually they come back around and say it's the best thing I've ever done but the the level of discomfort the dismantling needs to allow for discomfort and so when we're measuring there is always a period of time where or not always there is sometimes a period of time where I have to hold my nerve and trust the process which is quite yeah. difficult so for me I think it is and it's also when I see there are often changes which organizations may in the short term see as as not necessarily positive sometimes we lose people Mm -hmm. sometimes they say this culture is either so rotten and I see it now I have to go right or they say this new culture that we're creating which is creative compassionate connected Mm -hmm. I liked things the old way yeah I like to fight (laughs) and win at all costs and I don't want to be part of this you know um,
0: softer company yeah exactly
1: <laughs> people genuinely don't and that's yeah. that's okay too if, if you know and that's absolutely fine people have yeah. a right to do that go back so this, to those
0: values it's getting everyone yeah in more a, alignment with what they like what makes them tick and you know making sure they're in a space that allows them to flourish and not eats away at their soul I think exactly because,
1: yeah. if somebody as well if they're you know because it's values and then our true values our competing values or our competing commitments it's sometimes called in this line of work if you say your value is inc- inspiring others as a leader but your true competing commitment your true attachment actually is to be number 1 fight and win at all costs and then the culture becomes one that is so inclusive so encouraging so motivating that you can't get that buzz from always winning mm-hmm. then that's absolutely fine go to one where the culture is something else so that's another really interesting thing that happens and I and I see it as a comfort you know when I see there's a bit of movement, things have changed, people are leaving, whatever, that's totally fine. Because it means something is something is genuinely, genuinely transforming. And transformation is a messy process. People again, it's not a nice neat up and to the right. And if you want that, yeah. there are people that provide that for you. Not Such me.
0: Great <laughs> <laughs> and this is where I said she ruffles feathers, ladies and gents, but in an absolutely brilliant way. <laughs> Some quick firearm questions for mm. you now, Jen. Tell us something people often get wrong about you.
1: I get a lot of stick on LinkedIn for saying that I rubbish all learning and development, and I—that's not true. You know, as I said, I have a lot. I owe a lot to learning and development. It made my career. Oh, Jen, um, keep
0: disrupting. Keep pissing yeah. off, girl. I love it that you do it.
1: <laughs> I think what I'd like to say though is, you know, training is fine, but it's not transformation.
0: Love that. What's one thing you wish you'd done sooner? Learn to be myself. Great. What's the best part about your job? All of it.
1: Genuinely. <laughs> like, I get off on this stuff hard. I really love it.
0: Oh, I've got goosebumps from that. That's lovely. Okay. What's the biggest lesson in running your own business?
1: Can't do it on your own.
0: Yes, wholeheartedly agree. What are the best resources that have helped you along the way? Be it a book or a podcast or something else? I'm going to say LinkedIn. Okay.
1: Yeah. LinkedIn. Massive shout out to Leah Turner, actually, for her amazing coaching on the on the platform.
0: Really good. Oh, Putting that in the links. We're going to check it out. Good. stuff. Yeah, she's amazing. One piece of leadership advice that you'd wish you'd known earlier or so awful. You need to warn us. I was
1: thinking about this this week, actually. Somebody I used to work with used to say what gets measured gets done. Uh But that goes back to this thing I was saying already, you know, at what cost? What are you going to do to get this thing done in the service of up and to the right? Great.
0: And what is the hard lesson you've learned in your business?
1: Not everyone's
0: going to like
1: you. That's all right.
0: Oh, I love that. That's so juicy. Okay. And what's one thing you're really excited about right now?
1: We are growing. We um. By January, we're going to be a team of six. So that's three employed people and three freelancers. That's mega,
0: huge. Congrats! Thank you. Absolutely
1: thrilled. Um, full. Absolutely terrified to be an employer <laughs> not just a manager but an employer but you really um, have to be the leader then but also I think that's healthy I think if I wasn't worried I'd be a bit worried about myself like you know yeah. it's, it's a big responsibility but it's a it's really exciting and really I special
0: and any change is going to be a little bit uncomfortable because you're growing and if you're not yep. being uncomfortable you're not growing so hats off to you I can't wait to hear how that goes and finally what is the one music track that lights you up and makes you feel you can take on the day I can't remember who it's by. It's days like these. I need to check who it's by. Can I quickly google it? <laughs> I can have people shouting at their radios. <laughs> I know.
1: I tell you what, we won't we won't look up who it is. You tell us in the comments. Um... <laughs> <laughs> it, the lyrics are, days like these, I feel like I could change the world. And it's a kind of rocky, and I can't remember who it's by, but it's on our playlist that we play at the start of webinars. It's probably that one.
0: Great. Jen, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for joining me today and sharing all your wonderful tips with our listeners. I can't wait to hear more from you and your growing team in the new year. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap, ladies and gentlemen. I hope you enjoyed it. But more than that, I really hope you take action from it. And if you need support, guidance or have a question for myself or one of my guests, why not hop on over to Facebook and join our Snippets of Genius group where you can ask us questions, experience trainings and also those extra resources we talk about. There's plenty of links in there as well to make your journey and time more productive and life a little bit easier. See you on the inside.